So today, what we're going to tackle is Happy Father's Day, Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Happy Father's Day, we love you. I want you to hear grace in this. I want you to hear that the one who is warning us of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the most loving, forgiving, compassionate, merciful person to ever walk the earth. Jesus, Savior, who came to the earth to die for your sins. Many times we make the mistake of thinking we're more loving or compassionate or merciful than God. So when we come to hard logical truths like hell and an unforgivable sin, we say, oh, my God cannot be like that. We wrongly mistake ourselves for being more merciful, more compassionate, and more loving than God. I want you to hear that these words are from your Savior, that they are written and inspired and authoritative from God, the Holy Spirit, for are good. And I pray we sit under them well, we respond well, and once again, John MacArthur said this, I don't agree with him on everything, but I agree with him right here. He preached a message on blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and he said this, and I just prayed it, if you're frightened, I want you to be comforted today, and if you're comfortable, I want you to be frightened. Sometimes the word of God should do that, Amen. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. We should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I want us to be comfortable in the grace of God, but I want us to be constantly re-examining how we are responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God. I want those who are frightened today to rightly understand and have a sound theological definition of what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is so you don't have to fear it in some paranoid ways today. I want those who are comfortable and have not made your final evaluation who Jesus is and what he has done and how he did his miracles, how he cast out demons, how he rose the dead. I want you to have fear, the healthy fear of God today, to examine your evaluation of Jesus because your eternity and your life here on earth depends on it. You know, I was counseling a person recently who, and some of you might battle this, in a moment of anxiety, in a moment of stress, in a moment where it felt like life was just taking all the wrong turns and it was too much to deal with, this person cussed at God. They cussed at God. Instantly when they cussed, they repented and said, God, I'm so sorry, forgive me, I should have never done that. The beauty of the scriptures are this. That was able to go to the scriptures and say, even though you sinned, you can be forgiven. Let's rightly define the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit so you don't live in paranoia and fear and not go forward with Jesus because you think you've committed an unforgivable sin. You can be forgiven. You will be forgiven. And Christ died so you would experience that forgiveness. And some of you today might have that fear. I have battled it myself, and I will talk about it later in the message. I want you to be free. Freed by the gospel of Jesus Christ today. I don't want the enemy to be able to get in there and you believe that you've committed a sin that cannot be forgiven. So we are going to rightly define that today. So, number one, we're going to answer the question, are there degrees of sin? Number two, we're going to define what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And number three, we're going to talk about how to respond rightly to the work the Holy Spirit has done through Jesus Christ. If you turn to me to, with me to Mark 3, 22 through 30. 
And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Belhilzebal, and by the prince of demons he cast out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up, risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But it's coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first blind, binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they said he has an unclean spirit. When you read a text like that, doesn't that make you shake a little bit, soul-wise? Even preparing this sermon, I'm like, this is heavy. I'm watching every word I write. I want it to be right. I'm thinking through these things. The first question I think and is so important that we answer is, are there degrees of sin? I think many people don't rightly understand what the Bible says about degrees of sin. Because when they hear James, they say, if you sin once, you're guilty of them all. They don't understand the context of that. That if someone stole something from CVS, Christ would still have to die for their sins. But that does not mean that there aren't certain sins that are greater than others. And I believe there's a war on sin right now with Christianity, but I believe we're waging the wrong war in many ways. We're waging war on the people who are calling sin, sin, and labeling sin, sin. It's almost like, you're not loving, you're not compassionate. Why are you focusing on that one sin? That's not right. We're not loving our neighbor properly if we're not talking them in love and compassionate and saying there are degrees of sin, and that is a great sin. How many people are upset with the cops because they're not taking enough jaywalkers? Is that stuff you talk about at home? This town needs to crack down on jaywalkers. Getting sick of it. No. You want them to folk, focus on heinous, serious crimes. And sometimes in the body of Christ, we talk about blatant sins that diminish the glory of God and that are detrimental to culture, society, and people. And we talk about those things because we love God's glory and we love people. People who love the praise of man won't tell anyone that they're in sin. Because they're afraid that they won't like you, right? What if I say that? If you love people, you will actually talk to them and say, listen, I want to tell you this out of love. Because people will ask, what does the Bible say about this? They will. And I feel like we become cowards. We've become cowards talking about sin because we don't understand the seriousness of sin and how it's actually hurting the people we love. And we say, I don't know. I'm just all about love. I'm love. I don't make it. Love has boundaries. When's the last time you were in a relationship with someone you loved and they could do anything they want? Buddy, it's either miserable or it's over. Right? It's the same with sin. God tells us about sin so his grace can be applied transformationally and we walk in that. And I want you to hear this today because we're talking about the greatest degree of sin. We're talking about a sin cannot be forgiven. So I want to give you some theological foundation here. Because many times, we don't even realize that we're not quoting Jesus. We're quoting like Gandhi, right? Hate the sin and love the sinner. That's Gandhi. Why are you quoting Gandhi? You're a Christian, right? 
It got heavy in here. Everyone is ready to go right now with this. I love it. I want to give you a theological foundation for this so you don't think that we're just making this stuff up up here. So the first thing, let's hear from Jesus. He says in the scriptures in John 19, 11, when he'd been handed over to be crucified, he said to Pontius Pilate, because Pontius Pilate, his conscience was being messed with because he saw Jesus as innocent. He saw no reason to crucify him. And he said this. He said, those who delivered you, delivered me to you, have committed a greater sin. We see in the book of Jeremiah, when Jeremiah is prophesying to a people, he says, your sins are worse than your father's. He's putting a degree on sin. In Ezekiel 16, 47, once again, it says, your father's generation before you was an abomination, and your abomination even is worse than their abomination. In Proverbs 6, 6 through 19, God gives a list inspired by the Holy Spirit of seven sins he hates that are abomination to him. Now, this doesn't mean, I don't want us to take sin lightly. You still shouldn't steal from CVS. But we need to understand that certain sins are more heinous and abomination in God's sight. And we need to understand that as we get to the blasphemy of God, the Holy Spirit. The list includes a prideful look. Did you guys know the Lord hates a prideful look? He hates it. He hates when we're arrogant. When we have that look that we've got this, no one can drop us. We've got this. A prideful look, no one can stop me. I'm Yosa. He hates a lying tongue. He hates a lying tongue. There's no you can't, we've color-coded lies. Well, that's a black one, that's a purple one. I got a white one over here. You can't lie. It's abomination to God. Hands that shed innocent blood. Don't our hearts cry in these mass murders? Don't we weep over people who are killed in mass murders unprovoked, made in the image of God? God hates that. That's an abomination to him. A heart that devises wicked plans. When we plan the sin wickedly, God hates that. Feet that are quick to sin. He wants us to run to holiness, not run to sinful practices. He hates when we bear false witness. And he hates when we act like Satan and we sow discord among our brothers. So God gives us a list. Among many things, he says, I hate these things. I hate these things. They're an abomination. We see further with degree of sin, the Puritan theologian Thomas Watson, he, he makes a good point. He says, even in the offering system of the Old Testament, you see that there were different degrees of offerings for different things. Some was, were, um, took more value or more preparation, showing that they were deeper sins. And other, even though they were sins, were a different kind of offering. You see this peppered all through the scriptures. You see Jesus, the most loving, forgiving person to ever walk the earth. He different cities and communities being judged greater. And even different degrees of punishment for different degrees of sin. You know that even hell will be just in fear. Even hell. Someone who's committed a mass murder and someone who's committed lesser sins will not be punished in the same degree because we have a just fear of God. It would not be right if everyone, someone who committed many heinous sins before God was punished the same way as someone who didn't. Is there much truth in that? Even our God is just and he's fit. He's fair in hell. So I think we established our first point here. There are degrees of sin. 
there are degrees of punishment, which brings us to Jesus rocking our world when he says there's a sin, there's a degree that you cannot be forgiven for. Now, that's hard for us to hear in our culture. This is shaking everything our culture says. Our culture is light on sin. We call them mistakes and errors, and we're finding ourselves. Jesus is saying the most loving, compassionate, merciful kind, the one who's there to die so we can have forgiveness, he's saying, be on guard against this sin because this one cannot be forgiven. Let's give context to this passage. The religious leaders had come down with their final evaluation of what Jesus was, who he was, and how he was performing miracles, exorcisms, causing the crippled to walk, all these kind of things. They were the spiritual leaders at the time. And so people would have been coming to them because Jesus, you see all through the beginning of the book of the Mark, he heals a guy with a withered hand, fully restores it. He heals all kinds of diseases. He's casting out demons left and right. And the demons are proclaiming he's the son of God. He's doing all kinds of miracles so the people are in awe. And they're asking the Pharisees, they're asking the scribes, they're asking the Sadducees. How is he doing this? Because it's their job to answer that question. And this is important. Take note to this. They had been there. Most likely many of them at Jesus' baptism when the Trinity showed up. And audibly, God the Father says, I'm pleased, this is my son. They had been there when the demons were being cast out and they were crying, you're the son of God. And Jesus saying, shut up and move on. They're there, they're seeing all the miracles. They're not questioning the miracles. They're not questioning that the crippled are walking. They're not questioning that people are being delivered. What they have for a question now is, how is Jesus doing this? And this is their evaluation. Jesus is doing this by the power of Satan. Do you guys feel the weight of that? We talked about how when Jesus was tempted and the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness and the Holy Spirit empowered him to do all his ministry. When he's healing people, he's doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. When people are, demons are being cast out, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. They look at Jesus, who is filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered with the Holy Spirit, and they say, he is empowered by Satan. Here's the definition. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is declaring that Jesus is demonic continually after you have been presented with all the evidence that he is Messiah and Savior of the world who is empowered by God the Holy Spirit. So we're going to break this down here. We're going to break this down here. First of all, let's gather evidence from the scriptures. It says the religious leaders declare that Jesus is possessed, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. I tried to look it up on YouTube. I'm from Boston. Beelzebub was a name given by the Jews to Satan. It can also mean Lord of the Flies, Lord of the House. It was ascribed to na- a name to Satan to express he was sovereign over evil spirits. Take notice to the severity of this. To the severity of this. The power of God the Holy Spirit, and they say he's doing this by the prince of demons. This became their mantra. This wasn't a one-time accident. Many people are afraid they blasphemed the Holy Spirit by accident. Was that, I said, or, I thought this or this, I thought this or that, or this happened, and you're like, this was their theme. So the first thing to provide evidence for this definition is 
That's what the Pharisees did. They made a final evaluation that Jesus was empowered by Satan. Secondly, it was continual. Their evaluation of Jesus led them to crucify him, crucifying him as a blasphemer. This is so important. There's a life mantra. It meant that this became their theme. They met over it. They talked about it. They saw miracle after miracle, power after power, and they said, this is of Satan. This is huge for understanding that this is a continual thing. I myself thought I blasphemed the Holy Spirit as a young kid. I told you the story of we were down in Medford. It was at the Shell. They were having music and a concert. And um, a guy started speaking in tongues behind me. I was like seven, eight years old. And I, I, I started laughing. And I got punished for it. I told you guys about that. My, my, my parents need to go to the scriptures and be theologically sound. But they punished me for it. And as I got over as a teenager, I said to myself, especially when I thought things were going good, because the enemy will attack you then. I laughed at that person. Does that mean I committed the unforgivable sin? I remember being on vacations and being like, I did it. I can't shake it. Why even live? I even said to myself, God, I'm still going to live your glory if you don't take me to heaven because I committed this sin. Those are the kind of things that were going on in my mind. Maybe you have some of similar struggles. Maybe there's a few occasions where you thought you blasphemed the Holy Spirit and there's no forgiveness for what you have done. I'm here for you to be comforted today. You can be forgiven because my guess is, and I'll get more into this, that you didn't act like the religious leaders of those days. So I want to give you five things, indicators to comfort you that you have not blasphemed the Holy Spirit. The first thing, everyone says this, if you are concerned that you have blasphemed the Holy Spirit, you haven't. These guys were not concerned about committing the unforgivable sin. Do you guys hear me? They led Jesus to be crucified at the cross. They made this final declaration. There was no fear that they blasphemed the Holy Spirit. It was absolute arrogance, absolute pride, and absolute evil. If you were working through that, you have not committed the unpardonable sin. Secondly, if you identify yourself as a Christian, you have not committed the unpardonable sin. If you identify yourself as a Christian, you're saying you believe that Jesus is Lord, empowered by the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, who is the Savior of the world. You have not committed the unpardonable sin. If you pray in the name of Jesus, you have not committed the unpardonable sin. These are just a few things I want to throw at you. Let's just show you, you have made a de- declaration of who Jesus is. You believe he's the Son of God. You believe he died for your sins. If you worship Jesus, everyone who's here today to worship Jesus, you have not committed the unpardonable sin. Your life is declaring, your words are declaring, your giving is declaring, you're taking communion is declaring, you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Amen? Fifthly, if you believe that Jesus did all his mighty works by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have not committed blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I hope some people were just set free. I hope you sleep better. I hope you're going on a nice vacation and don't think about these paranoid thoughts. I want you to see the lovingness of Jesus here too. Something I never caught, and John Piper pointed this out, it was beautiful. In this text, Jesus calls the religious leaders over to himself. He sees that they're declaring and what they're saying about him, and he says, he calls them over. Listen, isn't that a loving God? What would we do? You're out. Get out of here. He calls them over. And he begins to try to reason with them. That's a loving Savior. 
listen, you guys keep making the wrong evaluation. And notice this. He didn't say you have committed the unpardonable sin. He said whoever. It's almost like he's still offering a road out at that point. So their final declaration is not that his work is being done by Satan. He's saying, guys, listen, you don't reason with people that have no hope. And many of them, I hear you, would continue in this sin. And I know the scripture doesn't say this, but I like to think there was at least one religious leader that heeded the call of Jesus and heard what he was saying and did not continue with committing blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He said, how can Satan cast out Satan? And he gives this beautiful point I want you to hear right now. He said, you have to bind the strong man in a house to plunder. What is he saying there? He's saying that I am stronger than Satan. A house divided against itself can't stand. I am stronger. I am the Messiah. I am the powerful one. I am the eternal one who is binding Satan. I have authority over him. I need you to see who I am right now. I want you guys to have a narrow definition of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we hear scripture and we apply it to all areas of our life where it shouldn't be. I want you to have a narrow definition because that's what the scriptures give us. Because some people get to the point where they give such a broad definition of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit that you're afraid even to discern what spirit is from what spirit. Do you guys hear me? People are doing all kind of wacky things, all kind of crazy things, all unbiblical things, and you're just like, I can't talk about it. I'm scared I'll commit the sin. God has called us to be a discerning people. He's called us to be mature people. He's called us to be sound theologically so we have peace and a sound mind so we can say, that is not of God. And sometimes when we have this broad definition, we're afraid to be mature and discern spiritual things. I want that fear to be gone today so you can rightly assess the situation through the word of God. Amen? I tell you, this is my fear. People used to ask me about people on TV. Like, what do you think about this guy? It's getting crazy. I'd be like, I ain't talking about it. You're not dragging me into anything that could be misconstrued. I'm like, I can't do it. Then you got other brothers all free like this, dude. And I'm like, I'm scared they're saying stuff. Matt Cruz, he's bananas. I love him, but that brother just calls an ace and ace, and everybody's scared. I'm like, Matt, you're scaring me, and I didn't even say it. But that's because he believes and trusts the scriptures and he's able to discern what is of God and what's not because of the scriptures. So how should we respond? Because this is huge right here. How should we respond to the work that God the Holy Spirit was and is doing through Jesus? I heard a story of a, a guy that my wife grew up with in church. And this guy on Facebook now on social media, he says he's an absolute atheist. He's an atheist now. To the trained eye, you would have seen him as a believer in God. He was part of every youth group, part of every worship service, part of all these things. But he said something to everyone, to all the people who grew up with him. He said, I never really believed. I was in the services. My parents brought me. But I never really believed there was a God and that Jesus was his son. I never believed all that. Why do I bring up that story? Because the most important decision you will ever make in your life is how you identify Jesus. Is he the savior of the world? Is he the son of God? Is he the Messiah who came to die for your sins? Or is he something else? So it's important to know that both the blasphemer, those who blaspheme the Holy Spirit and label Jesus demonic, and those who reject him as savior 
have the same destination, even though there will be different degrees of punishment because God is a just God. If you have identified Jesus as just a good spiritual teacher, your sins will not be forgiven. If you have identified Jesus as just a prophet and not the Messiah, your sins won't be forgiven. If you've just identified Jesus as someone who sent a good example and taught good moral code, your sins will not be pardoned. Because this is how the gospel works. And I want you to hear this for your good and to receive the grace of God today. Because some of us, just because you're checking in on Sundays, and I know this is heavy, but I love you enough to tell you, just because you're checking in on Sunday and seen in church does not mean you have identified Jesus as Savior and submitted yourself to his Lordship. The demons believe, right? And I'm going to talk grace here, but I'm going to talk serious. If we truly believe Jesus who he is, we'll believe in the same way it demands our total allegiance to lay our life down and follow him as a disciple. As it says in the scriptures, all who follow me will hate this world, will hate this, will hate that, because you have to hate certain things in order to follow Jesus and love the things that should be loved. The gospel is this. All those who reject Jesus as Savior will not receive the pardon that is freely given by faith through grace. I told you guys about that perfect imputation. Our sins, filthy sins, all degrees of sins, all kinds of sins, like Jesus said, all kinds of sins will be forgiven. They're put on Jesus on the cross. And his perfect life is imputed to us. It's all grace. And if you do not believe by faith, then your sins cannot be pardoned. Do you guys hear that? It's by faith, through the grace of God. So if there's no faith in Jesus, being who he says he is, there is no pardon. And this is what I want you to hear today. I want you to hear forgiveness in this. That what a loving God, that he would offer forgiveness. This is a God that's crying out, you can be forgiven of all sins. But he's also saying, if your final declaration, after all you've read, after everything that's been preached to you, after Jesus demonstrated to you, is that Jesus is not God, then you cannot be forgiven. And I want to make two categories, make sure I'm not muddy in the waters here. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a continual act with your final declaration that Jesus is demonic. If you go from this life to the next with that declaration, you will not be forgiven. So I'm really saying today, there's forgiveness for all. And the second thing I want to say, and if you have not declared Jesus as Lord today, if you've not submitted your life to him through his grace, then your sins won't be pardoned. And I want you to receive the forgiveness so you will enjoy not only this life with God, but eternity with your Savior, with God, enjoying that. Amen? So I pray this final thought. If you are frightened today, be comforted. You have been forgiven. You've been forgiven. I wish I could look look at each person who's struggling, but I can't read your minds. If you're comfortable and you haven't made that final evaluation and made Jesus Christ your Savior through faith, let today be the day that you are forgiven of all your sins and you are reconciled to a holy Mighty and compassionate God. Let's pray.